Hey everyone, this is Jen Gotson Chandler. You are on Faith Set with Joe Taylor. What's up? My comedy journey has been one of seeing the sin for the first time and being confronted with it and finding a savior that's willing to forgive and, and heal me through it. Well, hello. Thanks, Jen Godson Chandler, for the very enthusiastic introduction. And Jen, you have a lot to be excited about with the release of the movie My Daddy is in Heaven. You can hear our fun and emotional conversation at onfaithsedge.com slash 95. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 95. Welcome to the 96th episode of On Faith Sedge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to contact me, I am most active on Twitter at at 4 Joe Taylor. That's at 4 Joe Taylor, F-O-R-J-O-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Today, comedian and radio host Darren Streblow and I talk about the Darren Streblow Show, his very personal relationship with Jesus, and the collision of comedy and the soul. I absolutely love bringing you engaging conversations about faith and about God and about trials of life. If this show entertains you, encourages you, informs you, or brings value to you in any way whatsoever, will you consider financially backing the show? Many of you have asked about how you can support the show, and I have a few things in the works. But for now, the best way is to use any Amazon link at onfaithsedge.com. We'll get a modest commission from the purchase, but it doesn't cost you a penny more. Darren Streblow began his comedy career performing stand-up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's known for hilarious and clean performances that are nightclub-tested and pastor-approved. Darren's popularity brought him appearances on Bananas TV and the Thou Shalt Laugh series. He's also headlighting shows across the country. He brings his family-friendly style of comedy to the airwaves on his popular Darren Streblow Comedy Show, as he hosts some of comedy's biggest names. Today, Darren and I talk about how he went from performing in churches to comedy clubs and how that affected his comedy, the honor he feels in working with such great performers like Ken Davis, Shonda Pierce. In fact, he talks about how Shonda Pierce helped him through his anxiety. He's worked with Rick Roberts, Jeff Allen. Darren tells of a very significant moment that uh, Jeff shared with him. And he talks about the impact that Brad Stein had on his early career. Darren and I will talk about the collision of comedy and the soul that is the Darren Streblow Comedy Show and how this show gave him the joy of laughing again. During our time, I was really struck by the very personal nature of his relationship with Jesus. And then his older brother has a speech issue, kind of an impediment that he's growing out of. It's adorable the way he talks. It's just so cute, but he gets furious when you don't understand him, which happens all the time. You know, how old are you? Foy. <laughs> what? Foy! <laughs> what does a lion say? Roy! <laughs> he wanted to watch a video. He said, Daddy, I want to watch Tuda Bud. What? Tuda Bud. Can't understand. Tuda Bud! And he shoved the DVD in my face. Tuda Bud! Tweety Bird. <laughs> he said, Oh, Tweety Bird. Got it. He's like, Moyan. And he walked away. Let's play a game of who said this, Darren. Okay. Darren Streblow is funny. Not kind of funny, not sort of funny, but coughing up a lung, can't catch your breath, throw your head back and guffaw funny. <laughs> and that's just his looks. <laughs> I can't remember. Is that Ken Davis? Mark Lowry. Mark Lowry. Okay. 
Mark's a great guy. He's so funny. He's a great guy. He was just on the show a couple episodes ago. Really, really good guy. Oh, he's, he's got terrific. a he's got a new project called Dinner Conversations, and uh, just hilarious. Just hilarious. Oh, I got to get him on my show too. He's a, um, you know, I, I, the first project I heard from Mark was the one about his car accident, and there's a picture of him in a body cast in the front of it, and I think the the big standout bit on there is pivot on your good foot and walk back to me. I think is the <laughs> it's fantastic. It's just laugh out loud. Funny. He's just, he's just amazing. So, it's, so fun to listen to. Absolutely. And, uh, multi-talented Mark Lowry. He's fantastic. Yeah. Great singer too. I mean, that's, he's becoming more, yeah. more for, uh, more for his work with, uh, the Gaither vocal group than, than his comedy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think for Mark, it's, it's, um, kind of a toss-up which he enjoys more I, th- I think i asked him about that at one point at a show we were doing somewhere in colorado and he he i think he loves it both i think uh just uh the sound of people laughing and just uh the way he moves them the way he sings uh so yeah so much Good talent stuff. in that in that uh, vessel of mark Lowry, no pretty cool guy yeah no doubt let's try another one darren is funny i would recommend him to everyone except my record label, my manager, and my agent. I need my job. <laughs> kind words from Shonda Pierce. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> nice, nice. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. And that cost me $7,000 to have her say that, so I appreciated <laughs> that. Uh, no, she's, she's, Shonda has always been very, very kind to me, and uh, uh, it's kind of a great older sister. Not much older, by the way. <laughs> Maybe two yeah. years old. Sorry, Sean. That's no, she, she's always been just a, <laughs> a sweetheart and uh, watching her work, you know, she can just go and go and go. And she's, she's great at improving too. And uh, I've always learned a lot from Shonda. My wife, Karen, loves her, man. Oh, loves yeah. Loves Shonda Pierce. She gets loves right Shonda to the heart Pierce. of the matter, you know. I, uh, there was one point where I was on uh, antidepressants for anxiety disorder, which is a long story, but... Um, I remember doing a show somewhere in Minnesota. It was the first show I was going to do while on the influence of the, um, pills. And, uh, Shonda called me several times to, you know, kind of, you can do it. This is good. You're going to be fine. You're not going to notice any difference. And I, I really, she was, she really helped me get through it. She was kind of, uh, very pivotal in that. And, I'll always, I'll always appreciate that. Did you notice any difference yourself? Did you, did you, did you notice any difference in your, your delivery? That's a great question. Actually, I noticed a difference in how I was feeling while I was performing, but I did not, I don't think my, uh, I might've been a little bit softer in my, uh, delivery, but I, I think it was about the same show, you know, and I felt, I felt good about it afterwards. So she was, she was right, but it was, uh. God really uh, used her encouragement to help me get through that. Let's try one more. All right. Aaron Streblo makes me laugh until I can't breathe. Very few people are capable of doing that. That's why I'm still alive. <laughs> Was that Ken Davis? I can't remember. That's Ken Davis, okay. yes. <laughs> All right. Another uh, extremely kind comedian to me, uh, a, a mentor and a friend. He's uh, When I have something that... Uh, perplexing me i go straight to ken uh try to get some information on how to how to uh how to move forward he's a he's a great uh 
great ministry minded comedian. Uh, and, uh, you know, the funny thing about Ken is, and, and he's probably told you this too. He doesn't really consider himself a comedian. He, he's, he thinks of himself as a storyteller. And I've heard actually mm-hmm. Mark and Sean to say the same thing. Well, well, we're, we're storytellers in the, in the vein of great storytellers and they are great storytellers, but I argue they're comedians because if you break down their material, it's very set up and punchline and, you know, huge laughs like you'd get at a comedy club anywhere. So, you know, they're, they're comedians, uh, by, you know, make no mistake. So Ken is, uh, I've, I've been very, very blessed to have people like these uh, folks and in my life and, uh, Brad Stein has been helpful and, um, Jeff yep. Allen, uh, I'm probably going to forget somebody. Uh, many, many, many comedians that have uh, been very helpful to me over the years. I really appreciate it. You know, it's it's one thing to hear accolades from your fans and pastors and maybe your mom, but these are some of the most respected comedians in the industry. That has to make you feel good. It does. I, I mean, boy, well said. Yeah, it's... it's it, it, and the the nice thing about them too is when you're first starting, you're just not that good. I mean, not not because of anything other than comedy is just a difficult profession to learn because it's difficult to get all the funny ideas in your head communicated to an audience in a way that we're all feeling the same thing and laughing at the same thing. Um that takes sometimes years of work. And for these guys, um, they saw potential in me in my early days. You know, they, they saw, they saw what I could be, which was helpful and, um, really encouraged me. And, and some of them like, you know, I, Brad Stein would sit down and say, Hey, you're not at this particular level yet. You know, this is maybe back, uh, before 2000, you know, Hey, you're, you're not, you're not at this big level yet and be patient, you know, pay your dues, work hard, you know, uh, but you've got it. And if you work hard, you'll, you'll, you'll learn more. And, you know, guys like that and ladies like that, I really have, uh, taught me to just understand that this is a lifetime of learning it takes just a long, you know, you can, you can learn comedy your whole life really and not, not take it all in. So, but, uh, like you say, having people that are that respected, uh, you know, even notice you like a Tim Hawkins or, um, Ken or Shonda or Anita or, or, you know, any of these folks, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's humbling and, and super encouraging. Absolutely. How did your relationship with Brad Stein begin because he was very instrumental in your early career uh well i went to see brad at a comedy show he well it was it wasn't even a strictly a comedy show it was at northwestern college in st paul minnesota uh i don't remember the year uh was it 99 98 um he was opening for a group called out of the gray and uh i just had heard about him through a um agency called clean comedians. And he was one of their biggest guns at the time. And 
I was interested in seeing him and I had a lot of questions about comedy. I didn't know many comedians. I had, I, I had spoken with Bob Stromberg, uh, early in my career and he was really helpful and very, uh, you know, had a lot of good advice for me, but I didn't know a lot of comedians and, and, and here was, and, and Bob lives in Minnesota, but Brad also was coming into Minnesota and I thought I'll get a chance to maybe talk to him. So I asked through the agency if I could get some time with him and he, he agreed to talk to me after the show. So I, I really had only seen a tape of him, but I stood out in the audience and watched him get up. And, and it was one of those times, Joe, where, and, and you've been there where you're, you're seeing a comedian and you just cannot breathe. You're laughing so hard. And uh, the audience was just going crazy. And this wasn't an audience that was there to see comedy per se. They were, you know, there to hear music and he was just destroying them in the positive way. And, and afterward he, he sat down with me and, and just kind of saw where I was at. And he, he said, you're, you know, he said, where, so where are you performing? And I said, well, I do a thing here in a church here and a church there. And he said, um, well, you're, you're not going to be as good as you can be unless you put yourself in harder contexts like comedy clubs. And I said, Ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. And he said, well, I'd highly recommend it because, you know, it's one thing getting people who are encouraging to laugh along with you. But when you get people who have no interest in you whatsoever, uh, in you, in front of you, and then you got to have to make, you have five minutes to make them laugh. That's, that's going to teach you. So I, I took that to heart and through his, uh, mentoring, I went to uh, Acme comedy club in, uh, Minneapolis, uh, once a week. And also, knuckleheads at mall of america which was a comedy club who had an open mic night and uh i drive down there it was a two and a half hour drive and i come down i go down i do three minutes of comedy and then drive home and that sounds like crazy short amount of time for five hours of driving but uh it was just right because man all the way there you're kind of thinking about what you're going to say and all the way home go boy i should have done this better or boy that worked i should you know i'll keep that but it, it really was kind of my education and in comedy and I did that for about four years and by the time I left there I was doing some headlining for them and um, kind of worked my way up from MC to feature to headline so they they were very kind to me as well so um, <clears throat> and then I, I did a lot of touring with Brad and um, just kind of learned his uh, philosophy of comedy and and his approach to the stage and, and, uh, the way he, he writes and stuff. Uh, you know, I, I learned so much from him. A lot of what I am is, is uh, owed to his uh, influence. So I really appreciate him. I've had, I've had conversations with, with Mark Lowry, as we, as we talked about and Shonda Pierce and Jeff Allen and one coming up with a mutual friend, Rick Roberts. Yes. Love Rick. It's funny, Darren. It, it seems more often than not that they came to comedy through a, I guess you would call it a dark place. What drew you to comedy? Well, I, I felt sort of called into it by God. And, um, that's a weird thing to say, but I, I don't know that I would have ever tried it as a, just a geeky kid from Northern Minnesota, uh, without, feeling like God was kind of calling me into it out of the blue. I'd never even considered it for myself. I, I realized right away, though, that I'm the kind of guy that really likes to make people laugh in groups and draw attention to myself and make comments and 
and stuff. So the the sound of people laughing and being a part of that rhythm is is uh, gives me a lot of joy. I I really like that. As far as it uh, dark place, I've I've had um, a lot of um, emotional issues growing up that sort of contribute to the way I see see life. I'm kind of a sensitive kid, and so I had you know bullies and various things uh, growing up and some bad experiences. But uh, also just on my personal dark side, I, I've always kind of um, seen, you know, I, th- I think when I started comedy, I thought of myself as such a good person, you know, because I I was a nice guy and I, you know, followed the rules and, you know, uh, uh, so I thought. But the, f- the further I got into the comedy and the further I got into looking at my faith and different things about the industry that sort of stretched me in my faith. I realized that I wasn't that good of a person. I, you know, uh, God sort of steps in and pulls the veil back and you realize that, no, you're not a good person at all. You know, there, there are good things about you, but, uh, you know, I installed them there. You, you need, you need Jesus. And, and, and the further I've gotten into this, this, uh, profession and you know being married and having kids and you know all all of the uh, stresses that come with those types of things the more i've seen my need for for christ and that i'm a, a sinful person not that i've just abandoned myself to sin and say you know and that's it i'm just a sinful person i i feel like god is helping me by showing me my sin and 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 helping me to um, to uh, turn from it, you know, never perfectly. Um, but the the farther in I go, the more he's comfortable. God is comfortable showing me that I'm not a good person, that I'm a that I'm a, a rebellious, uh, sinful person. And 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 I have a little bit of comfort in that. I see Paul saying the same thing in scripture, you know, as, as time goes on. I think, I think when he, he started out in his writings, he called himself the least of the apostles and then later the worst of the apostles, I think. And then, and then, uh, the, the greatest sinner of all time, I'm paraphrasing here, but it seems like Paul's getting worse as, as time progresses. We're not sure if he's getting worse or if, or if he just recognizing recognizing sin more in his life than he did before. It well said. And I think that's just it. I think, I think, uh, there's a part of us all that really wants to see ourselves as, as these, uh, paragons of virtue and, and God is, wants us to see the sin, but he does it slowly so that we, he doesn't just crush us with the knowledge of ourselves. Uh, he, he, he does it slowly and he's, he's been doing that with me and, He's been very gentle with me, um, but uh, uh, the, there, there's a darkness there that he's revealing, and and the thing that I keep coming back to is uh, my relationship with Christ, and that's uh, that's the healing part, you know, because the, the, a lot of the things I struggle with, in my, you don't even see it about yourself, but then then he reveals it, and you go, yeah, oh boy. You know, uh, ouch, uh, or through circumstances or different things. It's he's um, he's good at showing you who you are in a gentle way, and the only thing that can really help you cope with that 
is um, your relationship with Christ, knowing that the, those sins are forgiven, and in God's eyes you are perfect, not not in the sense that he doesn't understand who you are because he's working to show you that, but, but legally, uh, when he looks at you in a legal sense, when he looks at you, how he's going to treat you in the future, he, he sees you in a, in a perfect light like he sees Jesus because Jesus' perfect life is given to you like a covering. So he treats me like a son and uh, a good son, but he also works with me to to uh, expunge the sin, and it, it will be a lifetime. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure I will never cross the finish line sinless, but, um, you know, the uh, I, I think my comedy journey has been one of seeing seeing the sin for the first time and, and being confronted with it and um, finding a savior that's willing to willing to forgive and, and, and heal me through it. And, and that's not necessarily something you can talk about comedically. Uh, you can talk about it in a testimony sense, you know, when you go to do a corporate event or you do a comedy club event, they're not there to hear you talk about your relationship with Christ, you know? Um, but there's a lot of stuff in comedy that everybody wrestles with that you can talk about in a comedic way, uh, the different struggles that we have. And uh, my worldview is just a little bit different in that um, I'm trying not to celebrate those things that are tripping me up. I'm, you know, I'm trying to deal with them. And uh, so it's, it's a, it's a different look, but uh, we all end up laughing together, even in a secular setting, like a club or a corporate event. You know, you do a pretty good job in your show, Aaron, of weaving in your faith without being overt about it, uh, which is a talent in and of itself. People, people who leave your show, uh, once they're done wiping their eyes and, and, uh, from the, from the laughter, once, uh, they, they realize that there was something different about this guy and, and it, it seems to be his faith. I can't, I can't imagine them leaving your show without, without knowing that about you. When someone comes to one of my comedy shows, I want them to really laugh hard. I want them to forget about the world out there. Uh, in or, or if we don't forget about the world out there, start flying at a 50,000-foot level so that we're looking down on our problems from a, a high level so that we've get, we're getting perspective on them and just laughing and, 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 and feeling the joy of that. That, that. That's primary. I also would, you know, because I enjoy my relationship with Christ, the opportunities where I'm in churches or, or various places where they want some kind of a testimony. I like talking about my relationship with Jesus because I like, you know, I want other people to feel the forgiveness and joy of that. And, and, and I hope that people walk away thinking, you know, uh, he's, he's like me. Darren is like me because, you know, uh, boy, he's made mistakes and, you know, done, done bad things and done embarrassing things. And yet, um, yet, uh, he has hope, you know, he's forgiven and, and he's seeing, he's seeing change in his life, you know, uh, you know, I would hope that for, for people in my audience, definitely. Well, you host the popular Darren Streblo comedy show. Yes, sir. Um, what can the uninitiated expect from your show? <laughs> 
I think uh, what people find is just a little weekly celebration of of life and comedy, and I call it the collision of the uh, the collision of comedy and the soul. You know, so you're going to be in there. You're going to be laughing. You're going to hear a Rick Roberts. You're going to hear Anita Renfro, a Shonda Pierce, a Ken Davis, a uh, a Jeff Allen. Um, uh, you're going to you're going to hear these folks, Tim Hawkins. You're going to hear these folks. You're going to laugh hard. But you're also going to hear uh, little variations on the themes from people of faith, which they are just talking about the struggles that they have in life and and the uh, coping mechanisms, the way they overcome comedically, but also through faith. And then through interviews and various things, we're all talking about these things. And I, I hope the uh, listener feels like I'm kind of pulling them into a comedy club. We're sitting in the green room talking with a couple comedians, but we're also out in the main floor and we're we're watching the comedians and, I, and I'm whispering in their ear, this, this is what's special about what you're hearing here. Uh, this is what you're special about you're hearing there, you know. And we just spend time together uh, enjoying comedy, enjoying life, and then leaving encouraged. And that's what we try to do weekly on, on the show. So uh, it's, it's been uh, fun. We started out on 27 markets, something like that. And I think we're up to 125 now. And uh, we're also on an app for iPhone and Droid, so you can you can listen to it for free on your phone. The, the app is free too. You just uh, search for Darren and Comedy on the app, and it'll it'll pop up there. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's been fun running into people out in uh, out in the world who enjoy it and make it a part of their weekly. Uh, they 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 clean the house with it, or they jog with it, or. You know, uh, so far no one's uh, put it on during a sermon uh, to try to drown out the sermon. But uh, you know, and I, w- I wouldn't advise that, of course. But uh, it's uh, it's been fun getting the feedback, and it's it's there's as you know, Joe. There's a intimacy to radio that other media don't necessarily provide, and and I feel like this show uh, capitalizes on it quite a bit. So it's uh, entertaining, but uh, kind of a fun uh, friend hangout on a weekly basis. So yeah, it's been really great. Intimacy is a great word because you're, you're right, Darren. It feels your show is fantastic. Thank you. But it feels like, and I think it's fantastic because it feels like you, you're, you're kind of peeking behind the curtain at just at two buddies, two friends talking about their craft, talking about their life, talking about what's coming up, talking about their struggles. R- really well done, man. Thank you. Do you have any standout moments from your show? You know, for me, I, I, I guess I got to be honest, the, the standout moment for me, and, and, and you probably experienced this well with, with what uh, you're doing with the, the podcast, is when you get somebody on and you, you really tap into that heartfelt connection where they share something that, uh, that really just sort of moves you, uh, gets you in touch with God just a, just, just a little bit. I, I think of... Um, when I did a show with Jeff Allen and we were driving in the car after the show uh, back to Nashville and uh, that particular day, I'm, I'm trying to remember it. I think, I think it was his 30 year sober anniversary. So no alcohol, no drugs for, for 30 years. And to be able to talk to him about that on the day, you know, and he, he's so, br- as you know, so brutally honest anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just in that moment and, and him sharing that 
how God got him through that, that terrible, that terrible time. Wow. It, it feels like uh, a privilege to, um, to even be a part of it, to have, um, to have former mentors on like Brad Stein and talk about the crafts of comedy. That, that feels like an honor, yeah. Yeah. an honor to me um, to have, uh, say, a John Christon who had just gone through something uh, of a deep struggle for him and to, to get on and just with kind of a emotional uh, rawness, just get up and talk about not only the struggle, but how he's leaning on God and, and friends to, to get through it. Um, that was an honor. You know, it's fun to laugh and I, I enjoy the laughing part. You know, what's funny about being in comedy is when you, when you start having to break it down kind of like a an English teacher has to break down sentences and diagram them the, some of the magic of the art form goes away when you you see comedy broken down into its various parts and you start to have a mechanical view of comedy when you're viewing it from the from the room so in a typical comedy club you've got the comedian up front performing the audience in front of him or her laughing and then people in the back that are comedians that came to watch the show and they've all got their arms crossed and they're nodding. That's their response. You know, they're like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. And you'll see an occasional laugh, but that's pretty yeah. rare because they're sitting there just watching the whole thing unfold. Uh, when I started doing radio again, I had to start laughing again because I'm a part of the audience again. And uh, to feel the, endorphin, the, uh, the endorphins start to flow and feel the uh, the joy of just just laughing again. Uh, that's been another fun moment of the the show for me, um, being able to uh, to laugh again, and I enjoy that. But also just those special emotional connections where people who are going through life, just like you and I are, um, share what they're going through and and how they're getting through it. Um, that's that's uh, that's uh, that's a treasure. So to be a part of that is pretty neat. Well, it's uh, like I said, it's a really good show. And if, you. if, if you don't have the Darren Streblo show comedy show in your market, if you don't have it on your local station, haul up your local Christian station and demand the Darren Streblo <laughs> comedy show. How about that? Huh? But say please, because, uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Let's say please. Uh, ask. We'll ask. I appreciate that. <laughs> And then everyone's got one of these in their house. My oldest son thinks he's the parent, and he's got to correct me, even if I'm joking, which I tend to do. Like, hey, kids, with all this rain, we're going to need an ark. <laughs> an ark. Technically, Father, worldwide floods are no longer possible. <laughs> we're not going to need an ark. Well, I don't like your tone. Go up to your room. Technically, Father, it's not my room. You own the house. <laughs> what do you say to that? I'm like, stop thinking. You're driving me nuts. Technically, Father, insanity rarely happens because of other people. <laughs> like, want to bet? <laughs> I'm not proud of this, but when telemarketers call my house, I hand the phone to him. (laughs) 
Technically, it's not a free offer if we have to pay for it. <laughs> Technically, you're not my friend if you can't pronounce my last name. Someone else wants to talk to you. Is this Tudabad? Tudabad! Tudabad! Moyan! Aaron, how did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? Well, I grew up in a Christian home, which is a great advantage. Uh, so every Sunday and a lot of Wednesdays and uh, in Christian school and various places, I was always hearing about God and, and uh, Jesus Christ and, and the Holy Spirit. And so that I've always learned about who he was. But like I, I talked about earlier, I think, you know, at the, I'm not exactly sure. You know, I said a prayer when I was probably seven to accept Jesus, and uh, but I, I felt Jesus, uh, his presence, well before that when I was very little. Uh, so he's always sort of revealed himself to me uh, in various ways throughout growing up. But like I said before, I I don't think I really understood the the need for repentance until I was uh, much older. Uh, that part of, it, it's not the cost of, uh, repentance isn't how we pay for our salvation. Uh, repentance is a natural outcropping of a relationship with God because he will step in, like we say, he will take a look at you and he'll see all the things that aren't consistent with who he is as a person and start to uh, prune those things uh, out of your life. And uh, it can be quite painful. <laughs> uh, but he, 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 he does it. And uh, I discovered uh, probably in my 20s that I was a very, uh, 20s and, and, and 30s, how, how stubborn I was in that pruning process. And, uh, but he's been consistent and, and very much helped me. And I, I still have much to learn and much growth to do, um, but uh, he's always been very kind and very, very gentle uh, in his uh, helping me uh, learn uh, very important things because, like I said, I'm not naturally a good person, uh, but I thought I was, and that's, that's kind of a dangerous place to be, actually. <laughs> so, so right, um, right. But, uh, Christ's work on the cross was powerful. And the more I talk to uh, folks on my radio show and hear their testimonies and hear stories on the road from people in, in churches and even secular events where people find out I'm a Christian through the grapevine or whatever and have a conversation, it's um, uh, amazing the life-changing power of what Jesus did on the cross and how uh, people who have done the, you know, what they think is an unforgivable thing uh, have found forgiveness in, in Christ and uh, have been able to, through that forgiveness, not just keep doing it, uh, but actually find the grace and the power to start to overcome that thing. Um, I've heard that over and over again, and uh, it's been very powerful. One of the things that sealed the deal for me when it came to Jesus is uh, beyond any other, at the time, 
that I thought a spiritual leader or a great teacher, ancient wise man is what I used to think about Jesus mm-hmm. myself personally. Um, beyond any of those other religions, there was no other person that spoke to the human condition mm. better than Jesus Christ. And, and the need for acceptance and forgiveness and the ability and the yeah. permission to move on with grace and yeah. dignity and honor uh, from where you are right now. And, and Jesus spoke to those things. And that's, uh, that's the power. And only God can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was having a conversation with an atheist at one point about Christianity. And he was saying, uh, Darren, the reason I think you embrace Christianity is because you think you're a righteous, good person. And that this, this Christianity is going to, uh, display that for everybody, you know? And, mm. and my response was, well, I, actually the reason I cling to Christ is because through him, I've realized just the opposite that he is very good and perfect. And it is his perfection that shines a light into my life and shows me that I'm not there, not even close, you know, um, and uh, because it's really good at hiding our faults from ourselves because it's devastating to look at them. Um, but Christ is very interested in showing those things. And, and uh, it's my lack of goodness. It's my sinfulness that makes me cling to Christ. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, um, uh, change, unfortunately, very slowly for me, but, but change. So, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had a, have you ever had a time in your life where, uh, as a Christian, whatever the circumstance was, where you questioned your faith or even the existence of God? You know, probably in small ways, but for me, it, um, God has just always seemed very real. He's, he, he, he can be silent in a sense, where I don't feel like, you know, I, I feel like out of his presence, which isn't true, you know, he's, he's with us. But um, he's always been very, very real to me. Um, and I, I've seen evidences of his, his hand uh, around, around me. So I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever had times where I was really doubting his existence. Um, I have had very rebellious times where I've just walked away from him and in a sense denied his existence because I thought I could um, just be my own sinful self and not have any, re- yeah, just just like, I, hey, I've got this. <laughs> I want to do it my way, you know, and, and uh, make a mess of things. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never doubted his presence. I have, uh, made it look like I doubted his presence by walking away from him. And, uh, those, those are dark times and those are loaded with regret, but, uh, he's always been able to, uh, step in and catch me there. So, um, yeah, 
I guess that sums it up. Finally, as, as we wrap up, Darren, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God? Well, first I'd say congratulations. Uh, a lot of people don't take that opportunity to even explore the question. And I think it's an important question because to just take the culture's definition of who we are as people and, you know, the, the idea that uh, we're a mistake that just happened um, and just accept that and run with, live your own life and then uh, never, never tackle that question. I think, I think you do yourself a disservice, uh, a huge disservice to not explore the question. Um, because uh, we believe that there is a future uh, beyond, uh, beyond the grave where um, we get to spend an eternity with, uh, either with God or without him. And um, so to explore if this God who holds the keys to that, that uh, you know, heaven and hell is, is, a, is a very important question. So congratulations on even wrestling with the question. Uh, secondly, yeah, just, uh, you know, the God who is interested in you, uh, knowing this stuff, uh, is, is blood earnest about his love for you and, uh, pray, just pray that he will reveal himself to you, show himself to you, give you wisdom and bring people into your life to, uh, discuss who Christ is and what he did for you on the cross and what that means for you for the rest of your life. Because... It's a life-changing thing, and uh, these people uh, that follow him uh, are not begrudgingly sitting in pews every Sunday morning singing distasteful songs about a God that they hate. It's just they, they, find, they find something that maybe they weren't even looking for in a relationship with God. They find love and uh, acceptance and, and grace. And uh, they're so happy about these things, they, they worship they worship God for it. So it's, it's worth exploring, and there's, there's a, a beautiful end to it uh, if, if, if you uh, submit yourself to it. So um, keep, keep looking, keep, keep searching, and, uh, and pray. He hears those prayers, and uh, I, I think you'll be happy with what you find. I don't think we can say anything more than that. Aaron Streblo of the Darren Streblo Comedy Hour. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us today. Uh, you're one of the good guys, man, despite what you say about yourself. You're not listening, Joe. I appreciate Joe. your work, and <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. No, I, I appreciate the encouragement, my friend. And, uh, thank you for having the show and uh, uh, another collision of comedy in the soul. I appreciate uh, what you're doing here. So thank you, Joe. Appreciate the time. You can find Darren at DarrenStrebelow.com. That's D-A-R-E-N-S-T-R-E-B-L-O-W.com. And you can hear his show on the radio as well as your favorite podcast player. His DVDs are available at Amazon.com. You'll find these links as well as his social media links at OnFaithSedge.com slash 96. That's OnFaithSedge.com slash 96. Again, if you'll be kind enough to use the Amazon links in today's show notes, We'll get a little help running the show, and it won't cost you a penny more. Next show, director Andy Irwin joins us to talk about his fantastic new film, 
I Can Only Imagine, starring J. Michael Finley, Dennis Quaid, Trace Atkins, and Cloris Leachman. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Darren Streblow for being with us, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real, He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. <laughs> I read I read somewhere that you opened for Weird, Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was weird. Because I was, um, I was enjoying a brand new CD from Weird Al because he was kind of a fun part of my growing up years, and I was in my office thinking, wouldn't it be amazing to open for this man someday? And two days later, I got a call from a concert promoter saying he was going to be about four hours away, and could I open for the show? And I just was. You had no idea. You hadn't reached out to no, them. You hadn't. No. This was out of. No, no kidding. Just a gift from God. I was just slack jawed. Wow. I was just so happy. And uh, I. So that's not your. He's not your typical Christian audience. I mean, he's, he's <laughs> no, fairly clean. No. But he's not your typical Christian Christian comedian audience. No. Well, that had to be crazy. Al's, man. Al's audiences go from the very young to the very old. And it was teeming with people in this uh, auditorium. Just. Just ruckus happy people and i went out there uh 20 minutes i did in front of them and they were outstanding uh as an audience they weren't impatient at all uh they laughed really hard i left a brick of cds with somebody to sell there and when i got back she looked a little bit disheveled i think she got kind of mobbed <laughs> after wow. which was which felt really good. I, I gave her a quite a heavy tip because I said I, I had you know no idea uh, she was going to go through that. But uh, uh, Al was lovely to me. I, when I walked off stage, I banged into his bass player and literally knocked his bass off his shoulder. I might even hit the you know it was just a big bang, you know like oh no and I just thought now he's going to hit me with it. He's oh that's no big deal, man. You're funny. You're really funny, dude. We enjoyed having you, you know. Nicest people, and I sat in the front row and and just took in his whole act with the laser lights and the, the you know his costume changes and stuff like that. What a treat! It was so great. You know what people don't realize about Weird Al and his band is how talented they really are because they have to cover a wide range of music and in this polka style and it's just fantastic and just they they are real some of the best mu- musicians in the yes. industry because yeah. of that yeah and uh what longevity you know he, he showed up on the scene yeah. was it 1980 and he's my sharona was i think i i think he did my sharona into my <laughs> balona and i think that was his first big hit he, He's uh, he's amazing. There's just no getting around it. Yeah. He's, he's he's a force to be reckoned with, There's and he's not like slowing him, down man. as far as I can see. I'm I'm super impressed with him. So I'll always appreciate that opportunity. That was a lot of fun. <laughs>